That is it. That is my order every single day. Very, very straightforward. They heard and swirl and they were like, pumpkin? Cool. No, what happens is it's fall. And so that's all they want to give you. They're just like, you're going to have what we say you're going to have. You're going to take what we give you and you're going to be happy. And you're going to be happy. Hey, y'all, this is Trudy. Hello, friends. This is Louisa, better known as Weez. And you're listening to That's Not How That Works. This show is about diversity, inclusion, and equity and how these things show up or don't in the coaching and personal development industry and our broader communities. So if you like what you hear, join us in our Facebook group to continue the conversation. Enjoy the show. Hey, y'all. Hello, friends. I feel like I had to start extra gentle because I know I'm about to bang on somebody today. (laughs) Welcome to this episode of That's Not How That Works. How's it going? I'm so excited to have this conversation. (laughs) Um, I'm good. Yeah, it's one of those days where, like, you know, like you're really good, but you just didn't sleep well the night before, Mm -hmm. and so you're kind of like, "What is life?" (laughs) Like a little discombobulated. But I'm solid. How are you? Yeah, you know, well, given given all things. Yeah, you know, considering everything. I'm I'm all right. I went away last weekend. To I Maine. saw that. I needed it. That needed you looked there. like you were you were staying in an enchanted cabin. I was. It was wonderful. It was amazing. I went by myself. I really needed the break. And then I came home and Tito bought me an inflatable paddleboard, which I have been wanting for so long. It was very sweet. But you know what? You know, you know what's one thing that um really worked my nerve yesterday? You're gonna tell me. <laughs> I am. And for our longtime listeners, you'll probably already, be able to guess. What's I already know it's about to come out your mouth. Because it's September, it's almost September. And so <laughs> it's a particular time of year when something always happens around this time of year. That is probably one of <laughs> the things that I despise the most. <laughs> what is it, Weeze? Did they put pumpkin spice in your coffee? You would be correct. <laughs> I knew it. You know what else, though? This is just me being like my little conspiracy theorist. Pumpkin spice has come out much earlier than it has ever come out, ever. I think you're right. And, and it's because, I am convinced, it's because Starbucks caught so much heat and we're going to talk about this this whole episode this is perfect starbucks caught so much heat for saying oh we stand with black lives matter but then right like sending employees home right or wearing like any sort of you know paraphernalia or making any sort of political state quote unquote political statements and so on and so forth so they caught so much heat so what did they do they were like they rolled out the pumpkin spice the pumpkin spice Bring it early, bring it quickly. I we know that it's still almost um, hundred degrees outside. <laughs> right. But like assuage, assuage the rage, give them pumpkin spice. And so, oh you know, God, and unfortunately the way that this world works, and again, this is perfect because this is what this episode is about. You know, folks, predominantly the white ones, are like, Oh, look, pumpkin spice. What do you mean? Like I was supposed to st- boycott Starbucks, but it's pumpkin spice. But it's pumpkin spice. For the record, I go to Dunkin' Donuts. I don't. Yeah, but they're not I, dumb. They're like, oh, no. Starbucks no, came like out. If, they, if Starbucks rolled out their <laughs> pumpkin spice, they have to yeah. do that. They also got oat milk, which I am really pleased about. Okay, Dunkin' Donuts. So for the folks who are newer to the show, I might be very confused about why we are going on <laughs> pumpkin spice. Every year around this time of year when pumpkin spice rolls out, Dunkin' Donuts is always, always putting pumpkin spice in my coffee when I cannot stand pumpkin swirl, pumpkin. The only thing I like pumpkin is pumpkin pie. Okay. Like that is, that is it. Like I don't want any pumpkin flavored, anything else. No PSLs for you. No. And it's like, they just do it so much. And it just, I will say my favorite part though, is when I've been with you and like, for people that like need to fully grasp this, Trudy's order is very explicit and very clear and sounds is, nothing like pumpkin. No, it is iced coffee or a hot coffee, depending on the season. I'm a creature of habit. Right. Two pumps of caramel swirl mm-hmm. and one cream. That is it. That is my order every single day. 
Very, very straightforward. They heard and swirl and they were like, pumpkin? Cool. No, what happens is it's fall. And so that's all they want to give you. They're just like, you going to have what we say you're going to have. You're going to take what we give you and you're going to be happy. And you're going to be happy. <laughs> but They're no, like, I, really, I think September, pumpkin swirl for you. Like, that's it. Right. No. You're welcome. That's all we make now. I will say, though, I really think that somebody at Dunkin' Donuts was like, ah, shit, Starbucks beat us to it. <laughs> I, really think, I agree with you. Release the Kraken. And so now here we are. Here that's we are. funny. So, I'm yeah. Sorry. Thank Did you, you have to go I back? I know. You know what? I sat there and tasted it in the drive through. Smart. And I was like, no, learning. I'm, I'm learning. You're like, I know y'all are going to fuck this up. So let me just wait here. Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of um, companies of jumping on boards <laughs> and then and on things and then uh, walking away and then white people doing the same. Let's talk about the great white awakening that has occurred over the last few months. I love this. I love this idea. The great, great white awakening. Cause that's I mean, was like, what is migration. That's what happened. Yeah. The great so, migration was, was a thing. Now, yeah, it is. Now we have the great white awakening. And in, in many ways it's like good. Like question mark. You the question mark at the, at, at the end. Like, it's just that it needed to happen 20 years ago. <laughs> like it's just 40 years ago, 40 years ago, a hundred years, years ago. ago. <laughs> like, like it's just, yeah, it's just like the way that it happened mm-hmm. and the intensity mm-hmm. with which it took place was mm-hmm. a lot. So I definitely think there's a lot to talk about there. And just, you know, like, and I think folks know that folks who have found their way to our podcast know that we have just kind of been talking about this for years and kind of like trying to call people in Mm -hmm. before this happened trying Mm -hmm. to like you know raise awareness (laughs) i I keep giving this analogy of like i feel like i've been trying to tell people that there's a a fire burning in the back of the house for a long time Mm -hmm. and that people just weren't like paying attention or listening to me they were like oh like no big deal and i was like no no like fire in the back of the house and now like the fire has like burned down the whole house mm-hmm. and people are like, Oh snap, there was a fire. <laughs> like, right. And you're like, know. um, like I literally have been trying to tell yeah, you. I l- right. Like I literally have been telling y'all this for years. Yeah. For years, like screaming at the top of my lungs. It's like the house didn't years. have to blow, to blow up. Like it right. didn't have to burn to the ground. Right. But you know, and yet, unfortunately, it did for people to start paying attention, right? It'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> it sure do. But so I think it's also important to note that, you know, a lot of our episodes are like very much us like teaching and so on and so forth. And you'll learn things in this episode because sure. obviously, but I think that I at least need to be transparent on my end that like, this is going to feel for me more like two people who have been doing this work. I think collectively between the two of us now, we're at like, what, 20 years? More, probably. More? Yeah. About, yeah, at least that. Right? Many years, many decades between the two of us in different iterations. Yes. And we've been talking about this forever. We've been doing this for, you know, literally doing this work for hella long, screaming at the top of our lungs that like, mm, something smelled like it was on fire, and then we could see the fire, then we could feel the fire, Right. No one listened and everyone told us we were like sensitive or, or, you know, oh my God, I can't tell you how many times like people would be like, okay, sister soldier, calm down. And I'm like, oh, where's your sister soldier now? Anyways, for those who don't know, know that reference, go Google it. But this is really like two people who have been doing this for all the years and are now watching and witnessing. And so this is going to feel very much like a fly on the wall of a conversation, like very you know, red table talky, if you will. Yeah. yeah, because the truth is, is that you and I both have been so busy mm-hmm. that we haven't even had enough <laughs> time to check in the way that we usually would. Right. You know, that we previously would just like kind of jump on the phone and be like, here's what's going on. Like, how are you right. doing? This is what I'm seeing. So mm-hmm. people just get to witness that happening. <laughs> just live. You're welcome. Yes. Welcome to our world. Right. So... You know, I think also just for people like the Great White Awakening, like, let's be very clear. We're talking about the fact that 
the civil rights movement never died. Right. The revolution never stopped. The difference was that people just weren't paying attention. Collectively as a whole, we were not paying attention. White folks, anyone that, you know, holds privilege in certain aspects, were not paying attention. Shit, folks of, of with marginalized identities that are deeply colonized and we're trying to perform whiteness, we're surely not paying attention. Right. For sure. Y'all hear me talk about black, white nationalists all the time, <laughs> a.k.a. Candace Owens, for example. Right. And then. It wasn't Ahmaud Arbery. It wasn't Breonna Taylor. Right. It was George Floyd. And even Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor, you know, rest their souls. Still, folks of color and black folk and, you know, the, the movement for black lives are screaming like, um, this is white vigilanteism. This is murder. This is right. This is Philando Castile and and Sandra Bland right. and Tamir Rice and, and Emmett Till. Actually, we're recording on the 65th anniversary of his murder. We are. So, you know, re- God rest his soul. But so I say all of that to say, right, like even prior to like the beginning of the Great White Awakening, it wasn't like we had years of peace or calm. <laughs> right. No. You know, it's not like oh my God, well, this hasn't happened in decades. Like it has been happening day after day, after day, after day, after day. But, you know, George Floyd's murder, state sanctioned murder, his lynching was the thing that like ignited. It was to your point. It was like that final thing that burnt the house down. And people were finally like, oh, this is what you meant by Black Lives Matter. And, oh, and I think humanity. Right. And I think it's so important. I will continue to say this every, every single time it comes up and every single time that I'm asked, because I think it's really important to recognize that had we not been three months or four months mm-hmm. into a pandemic, it was longer, but like in the States, you know, where many of us were quarantined, yep. we didn't have the distractions of like, Sports weren't happening. Um, we weren't go- carrying on with our day to day lives, traveling, all these. So we were like stuck in front of our TVs and our mm-hmm. mobile devices in a way that like it couldn't be ignored this time. And so, had we not been, I think it's really, I think it's a safe assumption that if we were not in COVID and that if we had not been quarantined, that that would have just kind of gone by just like another you know, like one of the other names that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. the, these, we had like, co- I kept, I keep using this term, like co-occurring social crisis. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with that. 1000%. I also think that on top of that, this is the first time that I can think of, please correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first time that I can think of that we have had and and asterisks. Absolutely. The, you know, coronavirus has one billion percent, you know, impacted folks of color and folks with marginalized identities at devastatingly high rates. And, you know, yes. that white there are white counterparts just simply did not feel. And this was still the first time that folks who held white privilege were quote unquote equalized, meaning everybody got to stay their ass home. Right. Granted, they were out here <laughs> taking up arms did. and protesting. Right. You know, exactly. Like not everyone did of any race, right? Like, right. Sure. We're sure. not going to say that it was like, well, all folks of color sat at home. We know that's not the case. But this was still the first time that I can think of where the government said, mm-hmm. we don't actually care. So policy, politics, right? Like access, none of that mattered or race didn't matter in terms of that, right? The policies were very clear. If you are a human breathing person, you got to wear a mask. You got to stay home. I don't care. We had some states like just, you know, well, yes, but the idea was right. Like that's what it should be. Like, oh, if you own business, you don't get to stay open because you're white. Like you have to close. Right. You ha- well, you don't have to. I'm in California, so I'm speaking from a very, you know, particular perspective. Yeah. Well, and in Connecticut, the same, like even like everybody, people closed unless you were like an essential yep. place. And it was very, you know, it, it was very 
specific about the ways in which people can be operating. Um, so yeah, and, and it was those were universally applied. And I think you're right that that is very different. Yeah. And so I think for the first time, you also finally had white folks who, and again, we're not going to at all let white folks run with it and be like, now I know what it feels like to be oppressed. Because that's why, you know, a whole different population of white (laughs) folks were outside protesting, having to wear masks. But it was the first time that folks had to actually grapple with their own humanity, Mm -hmm. their own access, their own privilege, their ability to move about places. Mm -hmm. They had to actually be conscientious of how do I navigate considering these particular, right, like social settings and policies and so on and so forth. And so what I what I noticed, and this is why I'm saying this, what I noticed is that I think that not only, you know, to your point of like no distractions and so on and so forth, this was also the first time that folks had to actually grapple with their own humanity yeah. and understand the ways in which you actually are vulnerable and susceptible to yeah. crises, right? Because healthcare is a crisis right? Food is a crisis, education, all these things that yep. are that are disparities in our country that are race-based are crises. Racism right. is a crisis. But this was the first time, and I had really had white folks saying, they were like, like, literally, I'm, I'm like, I'm not paraphrasing, right? They're like, damn, I had never, I literally had ne- never in my life had to think about why I'm allowed to exist in the world. Yeah. And, and that, just having to think about that in their own bodies, they're like, that finally made me think about like, damn, I could never understand what it's like to be a person of color and specifically a black person in this country. But that was like the aha for them. Like if mm-hmm. something that honest, like, let's be very real. You're not being oppressed by having to be considerate of, you know, other humans in a virus. <laughs> when a, there's like, we're in the middle of contagion. Right. Right. But for that to be the thing that made people stop and think about other people's humanity, I also think is like, it's like that kind of perfect storm. Oh yeah, it, it absolutely know? was. And so I, I agree for those two reasons, like the one that you named and then this, right? Like having to consider yeah. their own humanity and, and just, you know, autonomy. I don't think that we would have seen this great white awakening in the way that we did yeah. if it wasn't for that like trifecta. Yeah. I agree. What what that is reminding me of and kind of like crystallizing for me is the efforts that some of our government leadership, I hate even using that word in this context, like the lengths at which they went to try to like to to racialize it as like the China, you know, virus or something else like that. It just Yeah, the Chinese virus. Yeah. And the same with like in a in a in a different way, the same that happened in the eighties with AIDS and HIV and how it was like at first, at first it was something that gay people got like this, this desire to distance things that Mm -hmm. affect us all by race or by gender, like the way that we're marginalized is there's, there's a real investment in that because if we get everyone, if we get, you know, white, straight, heterosexual people to care and, and to see themselves as like equitably, uh, you know, impacted by these things. Well, you know, from a power perspective, we have a problem on our hands. I mean, so, so <laughs> I hit you with a beatbox. Let, that, yeah. So like, let's, let's End go episode, into like, let's it. bring it current. Let's yeah. Let, that, that's a lot of heavy yeah. stuff. Well, so, um, so we have this great way so to wake up. We have a whole bunch of folks that, quite frankly, just were not paying attention before who decide that it's time to start paying attention. And it is this very bittersweet kind of thing. It is. Because you finally are like, right? So it's like if you've been screaming at the top of your lungs that there's a fire. And then finally people are like, oh, there's a fire. You're like, thank God. But a couple things happened. The first is that the folks who lit the fire <laughs> and wanted to burn it, you know, burn you, see white nationalism, white supremacists, Trump supporters, so on, Kyle Rittenhouse, so on and so forth. 
Mm-hmm. They are like digging their heels in and doubling down on the hatred. So we've seen actually Absolutely. a rise in uh, white vigilanteism and like white supremacist violence. Yep. So that's the, like multiple people have died at the hands of white supremacists and white vigilantes at protests in the streets, sitting in front of their houses. I mean, there were drive-bys of like white men in trucks with Confederate flags on the back of them, just yeah. shooting into neighbor black neighborhoods in Atlanta, like you know, out of control. All of the the groups that showed up to like quote unquote protect, protect the monuments. Right. Yeah, you know, again, Kyle Rittenhouse, right? Like mm-hmm. individuals that are driving their cars through protests. Um, so you have that. Which again, we would be remiss if we did not say that is also because of our current president who absolutely has greenlit the behavior, right? It's not oh, It's yeah. not that these people didn't exist before. It's that he's emblazoned them and given them the like green light to openly be racist without consequence. Right. Because that is who our leader, is, our current leader is, if you can call him that. Then we have a couple populations of white folks. We have the white folks who are like, oh shit, damn, I haven't been paying attention. I thought I just wasn't racist. I didn't realize what anti-racist actually meant. And so I'm going to commit to this work. I'm going to pay my educators. I'm going to do the learning. I'm going to amplify voices of color. I'm going to sit my ass down and listen and learn and try and do better and check my Mm -hmm. shit. And what we saw was that almost immediately many Mm anti-racist educators, DEI professionals were like, the, the ones who have been around doing the work, laying their foundation and building the relationships were like, oh, books. oh yeah, like, that, which is great. I mean, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Right. Like, and I think we can both say this for people who have been doing this for decades to finally have someone say, oh, <laughs> I'm not going to question you on your pricing. I'm going to just right. honor the work that you do. Yeah. I'm not going to pick exactly. your brain for free. I'm not even going to ask because that's disrespectful. Oh, I do see the value of your work. I am going to prioritize it. I'm not going to waste your fucking time. Like, would I have loved that it had happened without, you know, our current climate? Yes. And also. For sure. It it does. It is a little bit of a relief. It's like, damn, I've been doing this for how many years? Like one of my homegirls literally texts me. I've been best friends since we were 17. And all it said was, I just think it's funny how you've been saying the same thing on the internet for like 15 years and now motherfuckers want to listen. And I was like, bruh, I love you. I know. Literally. And I know it's not just me, right? You've had that experience. Other folks that organize and no, do many this education. Yeah, right? yeah, like many, we yeah. all and have both this, online and exactly. offline. Like this we not all just unique to have like, this experience. Yeah. The only reason that right now people are like online, online, online is because we're COVID. COVID. We can't be outside. Like I can't do workshops. I can't, you know, whatever. So that's great. But anyways, back back to the point that I know you're going to make. No, that was the point. That was sure? the point. Like, right. I just want to, I want to, I mean, we'll get to more about this. I just want to name that, like, that there was such an influx, yeah. like for many, not just you yeah, and I, no, like that industry, like, all of a sudden there was this like big increase and then we're all trying to figure out how do we meet the need. Many people were very gracious about like understanding that they can't get on the schedule for a while. Like, you know what I mean? Like people understood that and not everybody, there were people certainly who were, that's why I said, you know, we talk about that. There were some people that were just like, kind of go, please listen, (laughs) let's just say the thing. (laughs) Check y'all's fucking privilege. If you and and I will say this because I had people who had reached out like a couple years ago that made it clear that they just like couldn't be bothered to pay the rates or make the time or did the really disrespectful thing of like wasting your time back and forth in email and then they just ghosted you when you gave them like prices or were like really clear, right? That then circle back because now it's the hot thing to do. People doing it for the gram so that they can make their statements without actually having to do their equity work or their anti-racism work, right? Perception of equity without the integrity of actionability. And you're like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Not only have my rates gone up, but I actually do not have any room in my schedule. Uh, Happy to take, like I was telling people in June, like I can get you in in October, November. I can get you in in 2021. And having the audacity to have a fucking meltdown. Like, 
well, this is a priority for us and this is important. And okay, cool. I remember, see, this is one of my favorite things. The context in which I saw it was kind of jacked up. But I remember years ago walking into the nurse's office of one of the schools that I was working out. And the fact that this was hanging in a nurse's office was really, I was like, that just doesn't feel right. But it was like this little poster that says like your your lack of planning doesn't make it my emergency or something so, yes. like that. And I was like, whoa. Y- yes. So, I mean, for a nurse to have that is kind of like, I don't know if that's right. appropriate in that context. But, but in this, this context, context is very much appropriate. That's it, right? But the fact that, I don't know if you got these responses, people really like then pressing you, walking all over boundaries that you've established because they think or they genuinely rather feel that to your point, their lack of planning or the the pressure that they're feeling mm-hmm. by the world is somehow now my emergency because yeah. I've been here for 10 plus years. Yeah. You know what my favorite thing was? So we had a little bit of that, but what, what really got me was we had a couple of people like give us feedback that they didn't like our sales process. Oh, wait. And, same I, was like, first of, and I was like, first of all, that's because we're not selling yeah. to you. Like that's we have, we have a standard that like, we, we don't, you just can't like work with us because you want to yeah. work with us. We're vetting Absolutely. people. You have to come with oh, like a certain Oh, they didn't baseline. like that you were vetting people. Well, they didn't, they, what they didn't understand, because in some cases, these folks were like sales people, business yeah. and sales people. Yeah, yeah. So what we do doesn't look like what they, yes. what they yeah. do, partly because we teach <laughs> against a lot of those yep. practices. And so like their feedback was that like our sales process wasn't tight. <laughs> like it was right. just like, was you know what? what? I actually, so to put in an inquiry, it specifically says like, what's your budget? How many people, what work have yeah. you already done? What is your goal? Like, what are you committed to time? Yeah. Like it's a very, it's fairly extensive. And then the team reads it and then they ask you additional questions. Exactly. It's a vetting process. And I definitely had people that were like, can we just skip this and get on a call? I don't understand why any of this is important. You've already let me know that you're not going to respect me and the way that this work needs to happen because this is a transformational process and you want to go to Z and you haven't even figured out how to read the alphabet to begin with. Right. But like, you're also mad mad that you got to submit an application. Like get your entitled ass out my inbox. So there were people, and I'll just say this, honestly, there were people we said no to off top that had many zeros in the, in their budget. And I'm just like, nah, fam. And they're like, but what do you mean? Do you need more money? Nope. I don't want to work with you. Yeah. Like literally, I don't want to work with you. When we covered that a little bit last time, like this idea that there's just boundaries around like what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do and like who, you know, and for both, we actually have different types of work we do within this field. And for me, that's a hard, there's a hard bound. That's one of the ways that I protect my piece is that there's just some work that I won't do. And some people think that I actually, they, a lot of people have the perception that I have like a really high tolerance for like certain kinds Mm -hmm. of things. And I guess it's true. But the reason that I do is because there's just a lot of other stuff that I won't do. Right, right, right. And that is why we have a vetting process. Right. But so, you know, so yeah, so there was that like big influx of all of a sudden, everybody wants to work with you. What I will say is I think it's real funny how all those people that were like on my line in June, who were supposed to sign contracts for July or August, come end of July, when things started to like fetter out, and weren't interesting and weren't trending anymore. Like, I'm still waiting for your contract. Like, you don't even have the common courtesy. I don't know if you've gotten this. People literally not having the common courtesy. And I know where it comes from. It's rooted in the shame and the guilt and the fact that yeah, they're yeah. they're very much having to be faced with the fact that they only reached out and felt the pressure because it was the socially trending thing to do. And now that it's not, they think that they can get away with it. Like, y'all don't even have the decency yeah. to be like, hey, we're actually not going to move forward we're not doing this work anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is a reflection of like motivation for the work, right? Like what, what we see a lot of, and not everybody, because I'm sure just like you, I ended up with a lot of really amazing amazing clients, clients. like really dedicated people. And I'm like super proud of like the work that we get to do for sure, like every day. And what, I try to do, and I'm sure that this is part of your process. This is why we have these like kind of 
vetting processes because when people are motivated, like externally motivated, meaning Mm -hmm. you're doing it because your primary motivation for the work is that you're afraid you're going to say something wrong and that someone outside is going to say something about you. You're afraid of the optics. Yeah. So this is all like external Mm -hmm. motivation. And there's just data that shows that when you're motivated by these kind of external factors, your dedication to the work isn't there. Like it just isn't there. And you're easily distracted by It's not a long-term commitment. Exactly. But alternatively, when people are internally motivated because they know something inside them is telling them that like, I want to be part of like fixing something. Mm-hmm. I want to be more values aligned. I want to be in integrity with what I believe that those are the people who are going to commit to long-term work and to really go through the process to, to transform themselves, their businesses, mm-hmm. their communities. And those are the people who like, you know, we want to be working right. with that's that's because that's where the change Absolutely. happens. Because the change doesn't happen in that in the externally motivated, and so those those yeah. are actually the. Three. That's why I keep saying the word don't happen on Listen, Instagram. Like I, keep, like I try to keep telling people, like Instagram is a tool for information, right? For a variety of reasons, and if y'all follow me, you've heard me say all the reasons before. It is not the revolution. It is not no. the thing that's going to change anybody or anything especially when you look at how we've been shadow banned and blocked and censored. Like it is a tool away like, right. If Instagram leaves tomorrow, guess who's still going to be doing this work and still going to be providing services. Yeah. Us anyways, that those are the three types of folks in the great white awakening. Right. So you have the white folks who dug their heels into their racist ideologies. You have the white folks Mm -hmm. who are internally motivated, who are still doing this work right now. And then you have the white folks who are externally motivated who fell off and I can see them falling off because they like aren't engaging. They aren't posting anymore. And they signed up for Patreons and Podias. And then they like literally in August, I also call it like the great exodus. Every single anti-racist or DEI or, you know, equity educator I know that has a Patreon got a huge Mm -hmm. influx in June and a mass exodus in August. Oh, 100%. Shout out to all our new Patreon um, yeah. members, by yeah. the way. Y'all are dope. Those of y'all who are there and who are sticking, yep. sticking in here with us. We appreciate we y'all. But so those were the three, right? And so the only population, and like, I'm, it's not for gold stars, but it's just to say, like, if y'all, if you're internally motivated, like, please stick in it. Like, we we need y'all. Not because it's like, we expect you to come save us, but because there is power in numbers and we need yeah, more people with privilege yeah. to be joining the right side of this fight, like yeah. point blank period. So those were the three types of white folks that we saw. And like right. that, that externally motivated factor, like the thing that I think people don't realize is we've been doing this work long enough. Like I can tell from jump what's if it's internal oh, yeah. or external. So yeah. yeah, when I tell people like, nah fam like I'm not working with you or I'm not engaging with you it's not because like I'm I'm being a bitch or like you know I think I'm better than it's because I can tell that you're externally motivated and I'm not going to waste my time and energy because those are those are necessary for me to do this work right Mm -hmm. I'm not going to waste them on people that are externally motivated because you're going to be gone in two months three months well not only that and your name because now people are going to be like oh we worked with weeds and now you got me fucked up Cause you're out here throwing, which literally people try to do. And I have to be like, we did not work together. You literally came and watched one webinar. Don't play me. Oh, I'm getting messages from people who want me to confirm whether or mm-hmm. not somebody like, worked with you there. Yep. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's like outside right. of our, you know, like that, that's inappropriate. We don't, we can't disclose that information unless we have permission to disclose right. that information. I will, however, tell you, but like, I think not. It's important to understand that people like that people are trying that they're looking to verify people want receipts y'all that like so if you're out here saying you're doing this work with us or with anybody else like know that people are checking Mm -hmm. and and to your point it's like it's one of those like the depending on the answer you know what the answer is uh, you know because that's the reality if they're a client of mine like I have to I I will say like you know I can't disclose that information. 
But if they have never worked with me, I am going to say, I don't know who I I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with that name. Yeah. In my case, some people call like, or call, we don't not call. They like email or the message. They want to know if someone has like taken a workshop or something. I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know how many people be on the workshop? So like, I just don't, I can't go in and check to see who bought the workshop. So a workshop, even if they were there, that says, right. That doesn't say anything about like the quality or like if they've actually integrated any work. If you're not a long-term client, like if you are not actually moving through a process that I'm guiding you through. You can't claim that you've worked with me. You showed up to a, to a lecture. You know what I mean? That's like, that's like you going to one dance class and saying you're Misty Copeland, like have a seat. I'm like, I've studied ballet. You don't study ballet. Like (laughs) one time you (laughs) at a community (laughs) center class. Like, you know, (laughs) I am an expert like nah have a seat right <laughs> but so there are those three types of white folks and so the the externally motivated ones now like and this I think it is important really explicitly for me I think to name this because people ask me a lot like well why you know what about the good white people cut them some slack no 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 okay but you know what the quote-unquote good white people the white people that are internally motivated that are in this for the long haul and all the right reasons they know that they're not doing this for gold stars. They know. And they're not asking. They're never the ones ever, asking to be exactly. cut any slack. <laughs> it's always the externally <laughs> motivated white folks and or the white folks who haven't made are neither externally motivated or externally internally motivated, but are just like complacently upholding the system like that are like, yeah. be nice to me. Go tell the fucking cops to be nice to black people. Like, leave me alone. Get out of my DMs. Or like, you hate white people. Do you really think I would work with this many white people if I hated them? Hello. Do you really think I would do this work if I actually had hatred in my heart for humanity as a whole? Even white supremacists, I I would love to to like be able to hate them because it would be easier. Instead of simply looking at them and being deeply disappointed and and like hurt and thinking you're just a vile person who has a disgusting moral compass right like i'm gonna pray for you yeah ain't nobody out here hating y'all however you need to create and even that those white supremacists like they are that way because of lies 100 and trauma all the other things you know like all just all like the the way that this country was built like they they get to be that way because that was that's also like this generational wounding yeah. that they are holding. Yeah. I mean, if complicated. If, right. And let's be real, this narrative that like all folks of color hate white folks is also only perpetuated so that yeah. white folks can be the victim and can circumvent c- accountability and or right. can stand on white supremacy or complacently like, you know, hide hide in their rooms. Like well, it also, and I know that we're going to like, I think we're going to, our plan is to record our next episode about this, but I'll say it really quickly just to plant the seed that it is in the interest of mm-hmm. white supremacists to get white people <laughs> against white other people. white people. Yep. And it, yeah, because like, so the, and the thing that's coming to me, and again, I know we're going to talk about this, but there was like a Robin D'Angelo, a, a critique of Robin, D- a rightful cr- critique mm-hmm. and of Robin D'Angelo, and this is an episode we're going to fall all the way down that rabbit hole. But I think it's important to name that this particular article that I'm referencing was widely shared, but that article was written by a right winged like white supremacist propaganda, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like a new imprint, yep. and um, like it's in their yep. interest. Like, and this, I'm not going to go into what was right about the article, what was wrong about the article, but like, it's in the interest of white supremacy for white people to turn against white people and people of color and black and brown folks. Like, that's the point. So we can't like, actually, someone posted that article in the That's Not How That Works Facebook group. And I took it out because I was just like, we can't pick and choose. Y'all so damn lucky that I got Azkaban and deleted from Facebook because I would (laughs) have banged I picked it up. I saw it immediately and I had been like watching yeah. for that all day because it was like kind of yeah. circulating online. And I kept correcting people like, yo, we can't be okay with sharing propaganda, like white nationalist propaganda right. when it's convenient because that works 
against their cause. Like we have to be more critical about like, y'all check your sources. How many times have I had to tell (laughs) y'all, trust nothing, vet everything. Like, come on, come on, y'all. Even like, don't just like share blindly without like. My favorite part is people also sharing like just based on the headline. Like, read the fucking article. Anyways, so we have those versions of whiteness. The other thing that happened in the Great White Awakening, and we got to say this before we wrap up this episode. You won't say this thing that is really like just makes. I'm going to say it. There has also been a massive increase in like the popping up of folks of color who are now deeming themselves anti-racist educators, DEI experts, anti-racist business coaches, because they are fucking profiteers. Because let me tell you something, and I'm not going to say names because I don't drag folks of color publicly. You don't. That's you. you but, and. but, and also, <laughs> if in the, at the beginning of May or even in April, you couldn't even spell anti-racism <laughs> if your marketing didn't even consider prioritizing those closest to the pain if your programming didn't prioritize those closest to the pain if you were never talking about creating yeah. equity for those that are closest to the pain if your business practices internally are oppressive. are oppressive and are reproducing whiteness, but then come May, June, July, all of a sudden you have an anti-racist business initiative and you're so proud of doing all the things you're doing and you're uh, posting your ranch and, you know, all of a sudden you are a anti-racist mindset coach or a, uh, what's the other shit that I've seen? Um, or a, uh, what's the other one? What's that one that people love? The generator and the manifest, um, human design. You're an anti-racist uh-huh. human design expert. You just took the thing that you do. And then because you're a person of color, you put anti-racism or DEI in front of it because you knew that you could co-opt a movement in order to make money. You are a profiteer and you should be fucking ashamed of yourself because what you have done is one, taken money out of the pockets of people who have been fighting this fight for years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Two, you are giving white people and businesses the green light to say that they have done this work. You are giving them a false platform to stand on and you are giving them the the actual perception internally that they have done the work and they are okay and they're doing well and they're doing right, but you don't even know what you're doing. I think that like, I'm having a lot of these conversations because this is a lot of businesses. Like this is not just this, you know, this is not just a few. No, no, this is wide Spread. I will say before I before I finish, there is somebody that signed up for one of my courses, a woman of color who prior was just a mindset, spiritual mindset coach. And then the day before the course started, I happened to see that she decided she was going to do a workshop. And now she is an anti-racism mindset coach. Mm-mm, no. Guess who got removed from my program so damn fast? See, and that's what we're trying to be real careful of because we need to make sure that, you know, folks aren't like, you know, I mean, and you and I have had this happen where, you know, we're like working on something and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. people are using the exact same content, you know, like that's that we have talked about that right. before. But I think that much like what we say to our clients, our clients who have gone through working towards mm-hmm. woke, clients that we work with individually, like don't just like throw up stock photos of black and brown folks because you know or don't just start a scholarship because what happens is now you get people there and you're not actually prepared to navigate a diverse space and so you end up inside and you have all this racial tension and nobody's trained and the the likelihood of causing harm much higher is just so high it's just so high so i think it's reckless and for some of the you know, some of what we're seeing is that like the business practices that are being per- perpetuated, even that in and, in and of itself is a function white of white yeah, absolutely. capitalism. Yeah, 100%. And y'all know. Like, it's just so... I always say capitalism cannot be separated from white supremacy because it is no, directly... No, we're going to talk yeah, about that too. But it is directly born out of the slave industrial complex. Absolutely. You cannot separate absolutely. the two. 
No, your exploitation of labor, that people are disposable. I was saying the other day on a, on something I was recording, for example, you can't teach and like hold a business belief like, for example, hire slow and fire fast. That's that is that's like a mantra, for example, that like people teach. You can't have that and say that you have an anti-racist business practice. The two things don't work. Just like we used to say in schools, you can't have a zero tolerance yep. policy and be working towards equity. No. Like those things at the same time cancel each other right. out. So stop. Right. Just stop. You, and here's the thing. You don't have to be on this journey. You don't have to be on a business journey of anti-racism. Go do your business, yep. make your money over there. Let everybody know where mm-hmm. you stand. Cool. You're still going to make plenty of money and be yep. good. You're going to be fine. You get to make that yeah. choice. But like, let people who really want to do the and know work how to in new way, like support people in that process. Because here's the thing. And this is why I said it. They are profiteers. They saw a money-making opportunity and they jumped on it. I posted, I tweeted, I don't know, maybe over a year ago. And it literally, it was like a call out to folks of color, but also a reminder to folks who want to do this work and find somebody to guide them and educate them and, you know, all in the transformation Mm -hmm. process. And it was a reminder that just because somebody holds a marginalized identity does not an educator make. Right. Right. Folks who hold marginalized identities can explain to you what it is like to live in that body, in this world, in this society. That does not mean unless they are explicitly entering the space of educator or organizer or activist or transformational guide or coach or whatever. That they have the skill set to move you through a process and to hold you in that, to check you in it. And then to help you actually create, right? Right. Not whether it's a personal life, professional life, businesses, yeah, you know, d- programs, despite, like whatever it is. Yeah, totally. So all y'all got duped, also, because y'all are out here like, oh, right. that's a person of color, that's a black woman, that's a indigenous person, that's a you know, that's a non-binary person, that's a this, that, the other. Oh, okay. Well, they said that they do the thing. Trust nothing, vet everything. I've even told people like, trust nothing, vet everything, including myself, including Trudy. Like, because I I can also say that because I know that we stand what we stand on and like, you know, like, no, for sure. I can say that with confidence. Vet me. Talk to people that have worked with me. 100%. Uh, I want you to take a fine tooth comb. I want you to vet me. Go talk to my college professors. Go talk to my friends from middle school. If I keep saying I've been doing this since then, right? Talk to my my staff. Talk to my staff. Talk to my Talk to my former clients. Exactly. Talk to people who have been through my processes. Talk to them freely. Yeah. I have no problem. Go talk to them. That's why nobody has a NDA. <laughs> the only NDA I have for my clients is, or for my t- team, is that they cannot share what they learn about clients, like intellectual property. Well, and, and that, yeah, but it's that they can't yeah. share what, and it's not even an NDA. It's a like community team agreement that says anything that you learn about a client in the process of being on Team Weez right. is absolutely protected. Like. Yeah, it's like Fight Club. Com- that's like confidentiality. Yeah, exactly. kind of there we content. go. That's a better word. It's like Fight Club. Yeah. What happens in Fight Club but stays I'm in Fight here, Club. I'm hearing all kind of stuff in some of these companies about policies that they have. And I'm just like, wait, what? Right. Like, no. Right. Anyway. Right. So. So all of that being said, we are now August, September. I don't even know. What, what is time anymore? Also a functionality of whiteness. So honestly, what is time? <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> um <laughs> But, you know, we're three months out of the great white awakening. And what I will say is for anyone listening, you need to have a come to Beyonce with yourself, right? What version of the one of those three white folks are you really? Actually, there's the fourth white folk too, right? The, there's the, well, I'm just not racist. The one that's still like the the white liberal that refuses to commit to anti-racism, mm-hmm. right? There's there's that fourth one. I don't think that person is listening to our you show. You would be surprised. <laughs> I feel like I that, constantly yeah. get surprised about the people that end up being like, I listened to your episode and it actually changed the way that I look at X Y Z. And I'm like, Oh, you good. Yeah, that's true. Listen to our show. And yeah, I know. And the funny thing true. is, I've gotten comments too before of like, I listened to your show wanting to find something to argue with, and I left being like, Well, damn. And I'm like, Ha ha, got your ass. Yeah, you're I welcome. Love that. Right. Like, I love it. That's the reason that we do it. And that's the reason that we do it in this format so that it's easy and digestible. Right. But 
whether you're one of those white folks, whether you are a person of color that has been profiteering, like think about how in your profiteering, you are actually reproducing systems of oppression and whiteness. And, and like, you don't have, you don't have to. to, you really don't have That's to. That's the thing. And you know why you don't have to? Because there's also an equal push of by black, by brown, by indigenous, by yes. like people in general are saying hire creatives of color, hire so-and-so of color. Like you can be making money. And I'm going to give you all a little business tip 101. I promise you that in the next six months, the DEI anti-racism train that is so hot will no longer be. And it is actually in your best interest to to not brand yourself as such. Right. Because what you're going to do, we've been right. that. That's we what know we, how to do that's this. That's like we've been. Right, right, right. So when it, <laughs> my favorite line, white guilt is not a sustainability Listen. plan. Like when, when, when that's done, when that wave ends, like, what are you going to do? Like, get, like just don't, yeah. Don't change your marketing because this is like the cool thing. Because it's not, it's hard. It's not it's, like it's cool. Like, I mean, it's cool because we right, cool. Right, right. Like, like, no, it is. And, and and that's the thing I think I also want to tell people, like, don't let it fool you. It only looks, quote unquote, easy because we've been doing it for so and it's long. Still and exactly. And it still ain't easy. We just call each other and bitch. <laughs> right. But like any workplace, yeah. right? Like people need to. Yeah. But like. Yeah. So just so for, for those listening, yes. who do you want to who do you want to be? Right. Who do you, like really? Who and do you, what do you be? want your legacy to be? Because. I guarantee you everything done in the dark does come to light. I'm going to also just say that. Mm-hmm. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be in six months. But everything done in the dark comes to light. And some of y'all out here being real bold about the claims that you're making of all races, right? About your commitments to anti-racism or your this, that, the other. Do not let you trying to be hot in the streets and be relevant and trending be the thing that also ultimately ends up being your downfall because people are also just mean and will hold you to an unrealistic right. standard when you put yourself out there in that way. Yeah. And then the last thing I do want to yeah. say is to any person of color, specifically black and brown folk and most explicitly black folk listening, please remember to protect your peace. Please remember that you do not owe anybody right access to your space, your mind, your trauma, your experiences. No is a full sentence. Right. Establish boundaries. Even people that are in community with you that mean well, that are your friends. I don't have capacity to talk to you about this. I am not available for this conversation mm-hmm. and or leaving people on red is perfectly acceptable. That's perfect. That's all I got. That's perfect. All right, y'all. We got to go. Remember to follow Weez and I on Instagram, follow the show on Instagram and we'll be here next week. Yep. All right, y'all. All right, y'all. Bye. See ya. Thank y'all for listening to this episode of That's Not How That Works. To become part of our community and to continue the conversation, please join us in the Facebook group. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and if you have a moment, leave a written review because it'll help people find us. Until next time, this is Trudy. And I'm Weez. And we out.